Well, good evening, everybody. How are we doing today? You guys excited for some more snow? No, you're like, what? Those are fighting words today, I think, aren't they? Just having fun with you. I did get a couple of you, though, right? Well, good morning, or evening. I want it to be morning somewhere. Well, um, I'm Pastor Tom. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and we're very excited to be continuing this series called AKA God, the names of God. And we're just going to cover over the next last few weeks and over the next maybe couple weeks, we're going to cover some more. And if you could take out your Bibles, either uh, your own Bible or the one in the chair in front of you, and go to page 61. It's in the book of Exodus, and we're going to be going through chapter 17, just a part of it. And take out your uh, insert, looks like this, uh, in the program you received. And uh, it says Exodus 3, 8 to 16, I'm sorry, my typo, it's Exodus 17. And uh, we're going to go through one of the names. Now, just as a recap, um, we actually, um, last couple weeks, Pastor Brian had done um, the first one, which was Yahweh, right? Jehovah, the old idea of Jehovah, and where that came from. And if you missed that first week, a couple weeks ago, I would recommend going online and watching his message. It was amazing. Just the, just the idea of where this name Jehovah came from and this, just the, the breakdown is really cool. And I uh, did a great job on that. So, and then the next one, it was last week, Jehovah Raha. I can't say it right. So, help me out, Steve. Rohi, there it is. I got a mental block there. Rohi, which is the Lord is our shepherd. And Pastor Brian went through a Psalm 23 with a, the Lord is my shepherd. And he also talked about the rod and the staff and how it comforts us. You know, and he talked, and it was a great message last week. And again, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I'd highly, highly recommend it. Before we go on to the next one, which is Jehovah Nisi, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, I want to ask you guys a question. And I need you to be honest. You don't have to raise your hand or nothing like that, but how many of you struggle when you read the Bible? How many of you would say you struggle? You know, I, I don't understand, and uh, some of these things don't make any sense to me, or I, I don't even understand how it applies to my life. And I don't know about you, but I was there many years ago. And then Pastor Brian and Pastor Gordy sat me down and explained, explained it to me. And they sat down, and they just kind of went through a couple of things, and they told me how to think when I read the Bible. And, um, and the, in your sermon notes, I just want to get you prepared for, we're going to read a story and it's a story about Moses. It's probably one you've never heard of, so it's kind of cool. But before we do that, I want you to take out a pen and take out this fill-in-the-blanks here. And I want you to look at the first fill-in that says, God will show you through his word. God's going to show you things through his word. He will speak to you. He will show you things and speak to you through his word. So write that down. Because if we go through this and you're just kind of listening and Okay, yeah, see what Tom has to say. I know he'll crack a joke or two. Or, but you know what? God will speak to you and will show you things in your life through his word. I've been doing this for a long time, folks. But when I sat down years ago with Pastor Brian and Pastor Gordy over at different times, and I said, I don't understand this. And they said, Tom, what are, you, are you reading? Are you going through the motions? Or are you just to check it off your list? Or, you, you know, because you need to do that as a good Christian? Or, you know, or are you actually asking God? To show you something and to speak to you. You know, the Bible is the only book you can read and listen and talk to the author at the same time. It's the only book you know. You can say, oh, I have an audio book. Yeah, okay. Come on, it doesn't count, right? You can actually read and listen and talk to the author at the same time. 
And then there's two things under this, that first one says, are you, are you, when you read your, the word, when you read it, are you eager about it? Are you eagerly excited about it? Are you looking for, okay, what, what is God going to show me? And number two, is, are you expecting something? Do you have an expectation? Do you have expectancy that God is going to show, is going to reveal something to me? And when I learned that many years ago, and I learned that that was the key, that was what changed things, I started reading the Bible with different sets of eyes or different lenses. I started looking at this. like It's not just a word. It's not just a story. It's how it could affect my life. So again, if you take your Bibles or if you have your device, and let's go to Exodus 17, or again, it's page 61, and just read along with me. I'm going to read this. Uh, it's a brief, just a paragraph or so. Story of Moses. Sorry. Exodus 17. It's page 61 or Exodus 17. I'm going to start with verse 8. 57. I will prove that you don't have to be perfect to do this thing. Trust me. <laughs> That's okay. God is good, isn't he? Isn't God good? And he's going to use us. Well, before we do that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we're asking you to help us. Give us ears to hear your message today. What do you have for us today? We want to hear your words. We want to hear your voice. We want your direction, correction, guidance, and wisdom. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Exodus 17. <laughs> i got to write everything down here. But um, let's just read this. Read this with me. Because while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Now, just to set you up, what happened was interesting. We can wait on that slide. That'd be fine. Um, what was interesting is that uh, they were, they, if you read the book of Exodus, it's the second book of the Bible, and it's, it's the story of Moses and the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They were in Egypt for 400 years, and a good part of that time, they were slaves. So you know this, if you read the, the, the story, if you heard the, watched the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, or anything like that, you've learned a little bit about this story, all the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and all these miraculous things that God had done. Well, this was after that. And God was feeding him in the wilderness. He was giving him manna and quail. And he was giving him, and, he, and then he just, in this, early in this chapter, he just, they were dying of thirst. And he just gave him some water. It came from a rock. It was kind of cool. God was providing all that they needed. So here they are. They had been led by God to this place, Rephidim. And the warriors of Amalek. Now, interesting about Amalek, if you trace the history of Amalek, they're the descendants of Esau. It's kind of interesting, you know, Esau in the Bible, right? You know? And um, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I, was, I will stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Ur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. I'm getting some wicked feedback, Neil. So um, as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, Moses, uh, the Lord instructed Moses, 
write this down on the scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. He goes on to say, I'll erase the memory of Malak from under heaven. Moses built an, off, an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Well, let's take, a, take this little story here, and I just want to show you after I read it over and over and over what God showed me. And maybe this will help you when you read the word, when you read a story, and how it applies to your life. So let's go to the first, first paragraph. It says here, it says, while the people of Israel were, were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first heard that, I was thinking, what was Joshua thinking? Moses saying, you go fight, I'm going to go stand on the hill. I mean, do you get, I, mean, I just, I looked at it, I'm like, my gosh. If I was Joshua, I would have said, yeah, okay. Ever been there in your life where, you know, you go do that and I'll, I'll sit and watch or I'll supervise probably work for somebody like that, right? No, no, just kidding. But you know, you ever been there where somebody else, somebody's asking you to do, you look say, perception is you're doing all the work. You're doing everything and they're just supervising or whatever they're doing. And you're wondering, you know, what's going on? Well, we're going to see how important this is in a minute here. You know, maybe you're saying, so I don't want to do the dishes, mom. I don't want to make my bed if you're kids or or adults. (laughs) Sometimes I... I don't make my bed too sometimes, you know? But you know, oh, these jobs are not a big deal. Nobody, that doesn't matter, you know? I want the real important job. I want to be the boss. I want to be the leader. Really? You know, last week, I think, I think Pam was downstairs or week before what it was and checking in kids in life camp. Now, Pam does a lot of stuff. I'm thinking, there she is serving. That's probably a thankless job. But probably people don't even know that she does that. Checking in kids. And you think, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. So sometimes we think the little mundane jobs that maybe we have or some of the things we do even in church are minor, but they're huge. We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play, and it's important. Every little thing that we do adds up to this whole thing called church. But it says, what was Moses doing? He went up to the top of the hill, and he was going to hold the rod of God. Now, if you know anything about the rod, this was the rod that was given to him when, he was, when God spoke to him at the burning bush, right? And he said, take this, because Moses was like, I can't speak. I can't do anything, man. He says, take this, and you'll know that I'm with you. And he used the rod several times. And one of the, more, the biggest stories is when he took the rod, and he, he stuck it in the Nile River, right, in Egypt. And what happened? The water turned to blood. It was an amazing miracle. It was part of the 10 different plagues that finally weakened Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Remember Pastor Brian talked about last week in, in Psalms 23, your rod protects me and comforts me. But what was he talking about? He said, a rod will direct and guide. And it's also a symbol. It was a symbolic, it was a symbol of God to the Israelites because it was used by Moses in so many different ways. So Moses said, I'm going to go up and do that. So my first point in your notes is God will use you. Sometimes in things that maybe you don't even think are important. I mean, Joshua was probably saying to himself, okay, I'll go fight and you go on top of a hill. I don't know. But my first point is God will use you to help others. God will use you to help others. Are you ready? Are you ready to be used? Maybe you'll be fighting a battle. Or maybe you'll be up on a hill. Maybe you're doing something you think is really important. Or maybe it's something that nobody sees. 
Nobody recognizes. Nobody gives you credit for. You know, we've been, Pam talked about it, this connection card, this prayer that's on the card. God, send me one person today to share your love with. God, send me one. You might think, oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, my goodness. I was with a buddy of mine just this week, and he just started coming to the church here, hanging out, and we are talking about this Sunday one, and he had an interaction with a person. He, he just thought about him, and they showed up at the, at the coffee shop. And we were just talking, wow, this thing works. Just send me one. God, send me one. It works. I had a guy call me this week. I haven't talked to him for, I don't know, how many months. I, every now and then I text him. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen him in a while. And he called me and said, can we talk? And usually that means, uh-oh. <laughs> What's going on? So can we talk? And he said, you know what? He's been single, went through a really tough divorce, and you know he's, he's been in the dating scene and stuff like that. And he's like, my gosh, I'm messing this up. I said, what do you mean? He goes, every time I go out with somebody, oh, yes, they're pretty, and, and then they have all, everything, but they don't love God like I do. I said, exactly. And we talked for a while, and he says, I really want somebody who's going to be equal. They want God. God says he wants us equally yoked. What does that mean? It's not eggs. <laughs> what it is is the yoke was that where two oxen were, were put together and they had to be equal to pull. And we had this great conversation and I that morning said, God, send me one person today to share your love with. And he's like, you know what, Tom? And I gave him some things to do and I, he read this and read that and, I, and he's like, thank you. And I called him. We talked again and it was, it was send me one. Then the other day, I think like yesterday or two days ago, I was looking for, um, we had a lot of our members, band members, a lot of people are traveling and, and are, on our, are at snow camp with the youth. There's a bunch of people away. So I'm like scrambling to try to get some people to help us. And, and it was awesome. And this guy calls me. He's, oh, he goes, I'm calling the wrong Tom. He called the wrong number. And I said, I don't think you are. <laughs> to myself. I said, how are you doing, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. And we started a conversation, and he used to come to church many years ago, got busy, life, and blah, blah. I said, man, I'd love to see you. He goes, yeah, maybe I'll come this weekend. I didn't push him. I didn't force him. God sent me one. You don't think that's a big deal sometimes? Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a huge deal. And God blesses you. Because that, those two stories were on the tips of me having a stressed out day. I mean, I was just busy trying to do a bunch of things, and all of a sudden the phone rings, or I get a text. And I prayed that prayer, but I was just busy trying to get everything done. And I stopped for a moment and go, okay, God. Because, you know, when we do God's work, when we, we, we are available to be used to help others, he blesses. We get, always get more out of it than we ever give. We always do, folks. Always, always. Let's continue reading in Exodus. So, again, the, that first point is God's going to use you to help others. So let's go on to that next slide. So, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Ur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. I don't know about you, but ever been there? You're like, I'm so tired. I'm trying my best. I'm trying, but I'm trying. I can't do it anymore, God. Why, God? Ever do that? Ever ask that? I do sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't get, even today, I'm scrambling to get everything done. I've been here all day. I'm not looking for any pity party or don't be sorry for me, but it's just like, wow. 
And it's amazing. I stop and I go, okay, God, I need your help. And things come together. Things work out. Why? Because I have to stop sometimes and not try to just rely on myself. Not just rely on myself. I keep, sometimes I, like, oh, I keep messing up in this area. I keep feeling here. God, I need some help. Well, if you look at the line before that, it says, as long as Moses held up his, the staff in his hand, the Israelites, so he had, as long as he held up the, the rod, right? We talked about the rod. As long as he held it up, they were winning. But what happened before that? Moses, Aaron, and Aaron climbed. Why did they go with him? Because I think, I think Moses knew he was probably well in his 80s by this time. And he had learned the second principle, or second fill in the blank here, that God will use others. He will use others to help you. God will use others to help you. If we can go to that slide. God will use others to help you. He will. But are you open to it? Are you open to it? God has plans for you, but he has plans for you for success. He wants to reward you. He wants to bless you. Yes, you're going to have challenges. Life is tough sometimes. The difference is, are you trying to hold up your hands by yourself? Are you trying to do it all by yourself? I don't know about you, but I was there many years ago. I got this. I don't need anybody's help. I'm all set. Ever said that? That's a popular phrase here, right? I'm all set. Or this one, I can handle it. Oh, I can, I, I can handle this. Oh, I realized something many years ago. And Pastor Brian sent out an email to everybody talking about a scripture we're going to share in a minute. But, but he talked about he doesn't do devotions because it's because he has to. It's because he's desperate for God. And we have to understand that we cannot do life by our own. We need others. That's why it's so important to be involved in what was called the life group, a small group where we meet. And they're going on right now. You can plug in. If you don't know where to go, come to mind Monday night, 6.30. We have snacks. Man, some people have been cooking some good ones, you know. But you can come. You can just pop in. Or if, you don't, if that doesn't work, there's a whole list. And ask Pam. She'll help you find one. Even if you get going halfway, it doesn't matter. Halfway through the curriculum, that doesn't matter. Don't get caught in a trap of doing life by yourself. That's not what it's intended to be like. It's not intended. And when you have challenges, who do you do? What do you do? You call somebody. You reach out and ask. You phone a friend. You say, hey, I need some help. I'm struggling. I got this decision to make. What do you think? Doesn't mean it's a cure-all. Doesn't mean it's always going to work out. But I will tell you this, it's going to be different. You'll have less pain, you'll have less anguish, you'll have less challenges if you're doing life, even the tough times, with some other people. Because it's the way God intended it. He wants you to be involved with groups of people. He wants you to be involved in your church, not just showing up and having a seat, but getting involved. Because there's so much different things out there, so much blessings out there when you give your life and serve and do life with others. 
So God will use others to help you. Do you have a relationship, like a, I throw it here, one-on-one? Do you have somebody you can talk to? Do you have somebody you can be really honest with? It was Pastor Brian this week, and we're talking. As I was getting ready for this message, he goes, he said something, I looked at it, and he goes, don't be crabby with me. I was like, <laughs> and we had this, and I'm just saying that because we have this relationship. We can be honest. And he knew. He could see the look on my face. I was like, you know, I don't know what I was, but I didn't agree with him. He goes, just hold on, let me show you something. But I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate somebody who has the, the guts to tell me when I'm messing up or when I may be not thinking right or whatever. Do you have that? Do you have a relationship or two like that? You need it. You desperately need it, folks. Life will be totally different. Nope, oh, my time's up. No. <laughs> they found me. Gotta go. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so let's give, we can continue to go through this story a little bit. And um, there we go. So Moses, he, so he had friends to help him. So they stood on, side, on the side of each, they found a rock for him to sit on. They, they, held that, they held his arms. And what happens? As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of, the, of Amalek in the battle. There was victory victory. The first battle the Israelites had, they had victory. Why? Because it was principles that were taught by Moses. He was going to be used. He was going to do what God asked him to do, and then he brought others with him. He didn't do it by himself. So let's go on to the next, um, in verse 14, if you could, Katie. It says here, after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses Write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. Read it aloud. And he built an altar and called it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. Write this down. What was he doing? He was saying, write this down and then repeat it out loud. What was that the first? What was he doing there? He was showing us what? What was God showing us to do? To come someplace on Sunday or Saturday night? Yes. This was, he was saying, start doing this. Start going to church. Start reading the word. Start gathering together and listen to what I have done. Listen to the stories I'm going to tell you. Learn from it. This is where he's, I don't know about you, but I saw this. Oh my gosh, this is, he's saying go to church. This is what he wants you to do. Yeah. So God is our banner, which is really our source. Right in your fill in blanks, God is our source. He's our source for everything in life. Again, it took me, folks, it took me a long time to figure this out because I thought it was me. I thought it was up to me. I thought it was all about me getting what I wanted, what I needed, and achieving, whatever it was. When I started letting go and understanding God was my source, it was him. It wasn't me. It was him that was directing me. Everything changed. Everything changed for me. Oops. You know, many years ago, battles were won or lost, and they didn't have communication tools. Like, they didn't have, um, you know, radios or the internet or, you know, 
whatever it was, like they do now, or computers and all that. So they used, so why did he say, you know, why is this, he calls God as our banner. Why is this Jovanisi our banner? It's because two things. One, it was, it was a way in battle to communicate. You could say, okay, this is advance or retreat or flank or you know, send in this or the cavalry or whatever it was. It was a way to communicate to the, the people out in the field. also, though, represented strength or a symbol or something else or something to believe in. When you look at the American flag, that's a banner, right? It's a symbol. What is it a symbol of? The greatest country that ever lived, ever was created. People that died and sweat and bled for the rights that we have. I just, whenever I see, whenever, I don't know about you, but whenever I, I'm at a ball game and I, they, they do the Star Spangled Banner, man, I, if I have a hat that's coming off and my hand's going on my chest, and I don't care if anybody else looks at me or anybody else, I mean, I don't really care. I just know what that means. That's a banner. The people that paid the ultimate price in a lot of cases for us to be believed in just have freedoms that we take for granted. You guys remember the movie The Patriot many years ago? With Mel Gibson, he was Benjamin Martin. He was just um, colonially, he didn't want to fight the war, but got, got involved because of some things. And well, there's no better example. I was looking for an example to show you how important this banner is. This banner, this God, this banner, the, the rod, Jehovah Nisi. And I'm going to share with you a clip from this movie. And this is really cool because this is, um, I think it's the Battle of Cowpens where, where uh, Benjamin Martin and Cornwallis, who was the big general of the, um, of the British Army, they were at this standstill. And you'll watch in this clip here that the, um, the um, uh, Continental Army decided that they wanted, they, they weren't seeing things going well and they wanted to retreat and quit. And Benjamin Martin said no. Let's check this clip out.
artillery. Concentrate on the center. Drive them back. My lord, if we reform and wheel right, we may be able to turn their flank. Dream, General. Good stuff, huh? Makes you want to go watch that movie again. I don't know about you, but every time I see that scene, it just gets me fired up. Why? Because it was a one person that kept his eyes on the banner. In this story, it was the American flag. His Benjamin Martin character kept his eyes on no freedom and, and all the other things that they were fighting for. He didn't let go. He didn't stop. So God says to focus on him. Again, look at that battle. Joshua and the Malachites, they're holding up the rod. This rod is a symbol of God. Whenever they saw that, they won. Whenever they saw it was raised up high, they won. If you can take uh, in your insert, there's a scripture here. I'm just going to kind of read it. It's from Isaiah. And Pastor Brian and I were talking about this whole subject. And he said, look at this scripture, Isaiah. And I just want to share it with you. It says, for since the world began, no ear has heard or no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. Now, years ago, when I read wait, I was like, I don't know about you, but I didn't like that word. I don't want to wait. Can anybody relate? (laughs) Right? We want it now, don't we? But if you look at the word, it's got a different definitions of it. In the Hebrew, it was an action verb. And it was talking like waiting, like a servant waiting on tables. It does, it does talk about patience, but it also says to do something. Do something. God wants you to wait. God wants you to wait on him. What does that mean? As I wrap up, he wants you to wait. Wait means he wants you, first of all, he wants you to seek him. We can go to that slide. God wants you to seek him. It says in Matthew, seek first God. First seek him and righteousness and everything else will be given to you. Do you put him first in your life? That's how you wait, by putting first. You get up in the morning and pray, God, thank you for this day. I pray this every morning. Thank you, God, for this day. I get to serve you and your people today. Lord, send me one person today to share your love with. God, help me to obey you and do your will and obey your commands. I mean, I go through this list and I pray the Lord's prayer and I go through other ones. Seek him first. The second one, waiting is God wants you to serve him. He wants you to serve him. Again, think of that waiting as serving, waiting on tables. You know, when a waitress or waiter does that, they're serving, aren't they? They're giving, they're friendly, they have the right attitude. They're eager to give, they're eager to serve. How do you do that? Get involved in this church, folks. If you're not involved serving in some capacity, please do it. Not because we need it, or we do, but because you need it. I have never walked out of this service around you folks serving and not been blessed and not been touched, not been encouraged, not been elevated, not been motivated, not been, just felt better because of you, because you bless me. Because in Ephesians it says we are all part of one body and every one of us has a part. Every single one of us has a part. Number three is waiting on him is worshiping. And what does that mean? 
Well, yeah, we can worship in song and raise our voices and sing. We can also worship by... Look at the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Recognizing, worshiping him and thanking him for blessings. I was talking to a friend of mine this week that um, he and his wife just got some news that um, the pregnancy wasn't going well and there were some medical reports that weren't very good. And I reached out to her and said, hey, you know, how you doing? Just thinking about praying for you. And she sent me a text back. She said, you know what? It's not good, but I am counting my blessings because God has given me so many things and I'm counting my blessings. And I was like, well, I just, my heart just melted because that's exactly right. Yes, okay, there's a situation going on, but she's not looking just at that. She's looking at the whole picture. God's got a plan and he's blessing her and she's saying, thank you, God. Thank you for everything you do. Sometimes we forget quickly what he's done for us because we're living in the now. We forget all he's done for us. Worshiping, thanking and for everything he's done. We're all so blessed just to even be here today. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? Because we get a flat tire, because or something major happens, a, a, a bad report, or whatever. I was at the hospital this week with another guy, and he was going through some issues, and he said, you know what? I am just blessed to be here today. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's got it. He said, I'm blessed to be, because I got, I got another day, because you don't know how long it, we don't know how long we have. But you got one more day. Be thankful for that day and do something for God today. Watch what he does for you. Watch how he blesses you by doing that. Watch how he touches you in a way that maybe you never would have thought. Worshiping him. Waiting on him is next honoring him. How do we honor God? Well, I got to tell you one way you can do it. Just like that flag and I hear the national anthem or just like it's a show of respect. When I said yes to Christ. I didn't know I should do this, but as soon as I could, I came to this church a few years later and, and I got baptized. I said, you know, I don't know why. I just know God said to do it. And you can't see it behind me, but there's a tank right there. Don't worry. We're not going to put you in today <laughs> because it's dry. But, but we'll, I think in March, the 11th and 12th that weekend, we're going to have a whole service that's going to be baptisms. And people have never done this. We're going to recommend you do it. Why? Because God said to do it. There's something about being baptized. There's something about saying yes and honoring God and saying yes, thank you. You died for me. The least I can do is dip for you. <laughs> I mean, I know I'll be a little funny, but this is what it's about. We have eternal life, life everlasting. The least I can do was show it. Yes, it's kind of symbolic, but it's also more than that. I've heard of people that have had miraculous healings just from being baptized. So don't be afraid. If you've never done it, sign up at the back of that connection card and say yes, and we'll walk you through it. We'll, I'll hold your hand if I have to. I've done it. It doesn't matter. It's not about any of that. It's about saying, honoring God and saying, thank you for what you've done for me. Here's just a little something back for you. Give you the credit. Last one, this whole book called the Bible, especially this this book of Exodus, is all about trusting him. We weigh on him by trusting him. Sometimes it's hard. I get it. Sometimes you don't feel like it. I understand. Sometimes you don't want to. I know. 
but trusting him. That's what he was trying to teach the Israelites in Exodus. But what did they do? They complained. They always, I mean, they, were, they didn't have to be there 40 years, you know that. Most scholars think they had to be there like two weeks because they kept moaning and groaning and whining and complaining. He just waited until they were all gone. <laughs> until they were weeded out. The ones that wanted to spend their time doing that didn't go into the promised land. All he wants us to do is trust him. The God of heaven and earth who's created all that is seen and unseen is asking you just to trust him. Do you think he can figure it out for you? Do you think he's got this relationship maybe that's on the rocks? He's got a plan? Do you think he's got the financial situation that you're going through? Do you think he's got a plan? Do you think he's got this health issue that maybe you're, you're focusing on? Do you think he's got something? Do you think he you know, can figure it out? Oh, what he wants is you to say, okay, surrender. I surrender. doesn't mean I don't do anything. It means I do my part, but I, I'm, you're in charge, man. What do you want me to do? Oh, and watch your life be transformed. Watch your life change. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. Last thing, and I'll wrap up here. Is in your notes, it says the battle was won. Was the battle won on the field? The battle was won on the hill, wasn't it? The battle was won on the... Most of us think the battle's won in the field, don't we? We think it's all, oh, it's in the work, it's in the effort. It's, not that that doesn't, it's not important. God could have just gone like that and wiped him out. No, 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 no. He had a plan. But the battle was won when? Where? On the hill. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Lord, thank you for the story of Exodus. Moses, Lord, we ask you to help us. Help us to see you. Help us to wait on you. Help us to trust you. As everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if any of this touched you, it doesn't matter what I said. It's what God's speaking to you. And you know, maybe you struggle in waiting. You struggle in serving and seeking and honoring him. Maybe you're saying, oh, I know, I've never been baptized, but I'm kind of afraid. And I understand. But what is he saying? He's saying, trust me. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand if you could so I can see. Thank you. There's a bunch of hands. Thank you. Let's pray over you. Dear Lord, thank you for the people that have had the, the guts to raise their hand and say, more. I need more of you. I've got to trust you more. I've got to wait on you more. We ask to give them all they need to overcome fears or whatever it is to put you first, to see you first, and to wait on you with that eager heart. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.